0: to In Supportive Families. This is Lou Penrod, and my guest today is Carol Basel. She is the mother of a 53-year-old son with autism. Carol, welcome.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here.
0: And my first thought when I heard that, that your son is 53, is you encountered this at a time when very little was known about autism. What was that
1: like? Oh my gosh, that that was a time when I was so very confused. It was 1972, and hardly anybody had heard about autism, let alone know what to do with them, uh, you know, with children with autistic characteristics. He was diagnosed when he was six years old, and The confusion was so intense at the time that when he was seven years old, the neurologist told me to put him in an institution because nobody would know what to do with him. He wouldn't be able to function in the world. And the the neurologist actually told me that he would be better off in an institution simply because he wouldn't have to deal with the stresses of the world. And at the time, I was horrified because this is my only child. And I thought, no, I think I'm going to keep him with me <clears throat> because at the time I realized that my son was very intelligent. It just was that the teachers, the psychologists, the social workers that we happened to be working with at the time didn't, didn't really know what to do with him. And, and they really, not really ignored, but they denied the information that I was giving them about his talents, his areas of interest, his areas of super intelligence that he was displaying to me at home. Um, So I knew that, that he had something special inside of him. And so I said, no, I'm not going to put him in an institution. And I worked with him one-on-one. I mean, he went to school, but I did work with him at home one-on-one. And today he has a master's degree. So I'm really pleased that I didn't put him in an institution.
0: Oh, so am I. And, you know, what a drastic difference. Just, you know, that that's overwhelming to think that they just didn't know what to do. And so it's like, just put him away. And I know exactly. that that is in our history. There was that,
1: exactly. you know, it, it, it is. And I've realized that even today, even though we have so many federal laws and state laws to protect our, our special needs children, even today, a lot of the people involved in working with them and teaching them still dismiss a lot of what the parents say and and, and just want to protect the children from the struggles. and. I've been thinking we have to understand the struggles and in understanding their personal struggles, we can actually help them to cope better and overcome the, the problematic situations that are causing the struggles. Why go into denial? Let's actually do something positive to, to enhance what our special needs children can do and, and provide society because they are very valuable.
0: Well, you mentioned that they were not listening as you tried to explain his strengths. They were just focused on what he couldn't do.
1: Exactly. They did focus on what he couldn't do. And actually it was almost every time I had meetings with them, it was a list of what he couldn't do this. He can't do this. He can't do that. He can't do the other. He doesn't function well in this situation. And I would say, but he, he can he knows so much, he learns so easily, he remembers everything that he reads, he remembers everything that you tell him. And he did. The problem was he had difficulty that information. He did not have trouble accepting or intaking the information, just communicating it. And, and so they did discount everything simply because they didn't see what his value was. They didn't see his abilities in the classroom because a lot of autistic children do not function well in groups. And I was functioning with him one-on-one. And in today's world, a lot of times they do take autistic children and put them away from the loud stimuli and the colorful stimuli in in the classroom. And that does help. But at the time when I was explaining this to the professionals, they didn't understand that because there had been no research on that yet. And so I was, I actually felt like a salmon swimming upstream uh, because everything was just so difficult and there was nothing to support what I was saying. No professional research to support what I was saying in today's world. However, we do have that research supporting this and, Now the teachers and ideally the parents have this information at their hand so that they can actually help um, our special needs children function better. And that's really what my book is all about, is presenting this information in how do we help our children reach their potential so that they can actually function well and be happy individuals in our society.
0: Well, you know, there is a saying That a concerned mother does more research than the FBI. And it sounds to me (laughs) like that fits you. Tell us about the re you know, again, here is your son, your your precious only child, and you who you would do anything for him. So what did you do in terms of research to understand his challenges?
1: Well, you know, there wasn't very much research out there at the time. So I had to start at at the ground level. What I did was at the time, I had the opportunity to uh, work in a learning center at, at, at an elementary school that the principal asked me if I would like to work with the children because I had been volunteering at the school. And he asked if I would like to work in the learning center. And I said yes. And that was some working with the at-risk special needs children. That's the area in which I worked, simply because they knew I had a child with special needs. And so they thought, well, she has some experience. And most of the other teachers didn't. And through that, I was encouraged by the teachers to go to college. I, I had not had any college experience before that. And I I entered college, I applied and was accepted, and I started learning about special education techniques and, and human development theories. And that opened up a whole new world to me. It was as if I was sitting under a light bulb and all of this information about human development uh, became real as I worked with my son and I worked with the students in the learning center and and that actually was the beginning of my research as I took courses in special education education in psychology in regular classroom education it gave me some foundation to work with and through that I started doing more medical research because I discovered that a lot of a lot of the uh, history of special needs children came from problematic situations at birth or health issues in the first year of life. And so given that information, I started to do more medical research, which led me to more and more information about not only autism, but special needs as a whole. And then little by little, it, I started to kind of zero in into autism, which like I said, there was very little information at the time, but I was very lucky to have my son accepted at Loyola Loyola University Medical Center in Chicago, and they had just started research on autism, and they had uh, invited a a child psychologist from France to come in and had their program of the United States at the time in its autism research, and so I had been working with her because of my son, and that led me to a lot of information I never would have found out otherwise. And and so, so along the way, it was it was sort of having happy accidents happen that led me to the information I needed to really set my son on a path for being successful, meeting his potential, but also being happy. Autistic children are very anxious because they perceive the world a little differently. And I wanted my son to be happy. So a lot of what I did was to lessen the anxiety, lessen the stress that I would see on his face. So. So actually, it was a lot of happy accidents that happened along the way that led me to where I am today.
0: I love it. You really did get into that research. And and it also makes the title of your book so appropriate. Isn't it Against All Odds? Yes, Against All Odds. And that's where you were. You were against all odds. There was such little research. Professionals didn't want to hear about his strengths. Ah, oh, yes.
1: Amazing. Exactly. And that's that's really you hit it. You got the reason why I named my book Against All Odds. Simply because we were against all odds. There wasn't any any assistance. There wasn't a support system. There wasn't a network. I mean, now in today's world, we have wonderful organizations that provide support for parents and families, that provide a networking system so that parents can meet other parents going through similar situations. But I didn't have that. I had to, and, and America, even to the point of not having an understanding family simply because it wasn't only the professionals that didn't understand, family members didn't understand. Why is Joe different? Why does he do this? Why does he do that? What are you doing wrong? And and I would hear that all the time. So it, it really was against all odds that we even survived, let alone thrived.
0: Yes, yes. And, and I do remember that Hearing in the early 1970s, I think it was about 1975, I had talking to another young mother, and she was explaining that um, another neighbor had a child who wasn't responding and had autism and and and, and, and the, the expressing that belief that autism was caused by a cold mother and just saying, see, that woman doesn't take care of her baby and that's why he has autism. And I remember hearing that then. And I believe that was Uh, a prevalent thought. Did you have to battle with that?
1: Oh my gosh, I did. And that was was a devastating uh, part of this whole process of trying to help my son Joe reach the level that I believed he could reach. The professionals, the, the pediatrician, the school psychologist, the um, uh, clinical psychologist that we work with all pointed to me saying that it was my fault. And I thought, I, I always considered myself a, a very emotional, uh, optimistic type of person. and But they blamed me. And the unfortunate thing is was not only that the professionals accepted this, I had to deal with this in school. It was in counseling sessions that professionals expressed this. And my husband at the time, my son's father, picked up on that. And he would blame me for it. And so the the dynamics, the family dynamics were very uncomfortable because he was very upset that his only child was different and everybody was blaming it on me. So that actually um, inhibited uh, the opportunity to have a calm, happy life situation for my son. And uh, it eventually ended in divorce because his father just didn't want to deal with it any longer. Uh, But later on, we realized that, you know, this, this, um, Refrigerator mom theory was not actually true, and it did not only hurt the mothers; it hurt marriages, it hurt family situations, because of the the, the devastating effects it had on the parents' relationship. It, it really was a devastating part of history. And I remember when my son was re-diagnosed um, because of of what he had to. What we had to do for the regional center in, in Southern California. And we went to UCLA Neuropsychiatric uh, Center that actually did the rediagnosing. And we were with a, a doctor who, actually, Dr. Ritvo, he was a wonderful person. He wrote the definition of autism for the DSM IV at the time. And he met with us and he he said to me, I would like to tell, talk to you about how you raised your son. And I froze. I literally froze. I, I I, was so upset and stressed and frightened that I could barely breathe because all of the, the memories of being blamed as a refrigerator mom surfaced. Even though we had so many accomplishments at the time, I still reacted so, so fearfully. And then he told me, I want to tell you that you did a good job. You should be proud of yourself. And all I could do at the time was sit there with tears running down my cheeks because I was so relieved. And he was such a sweet man. He just patted my hands and said, I understand. So he understood what the, the the field of psychology had done to mothers and actually whole families of autistic children at the time. Oh,
0: wow. That is a powerful story. And I'm so glad that you finally got that validation. Yes. So do you have, what's your, your, your greatest tip for parents? You know, they, they're faced with this and, and again, it is easier now than it was, in your time when your son was young but what will help parents to know
1: yes you know it it is easier though it's not easy it is easier and I just want to state that because a lot of parents will think I'm struggling so much and, and it is a little easier but not easy by any means at all but my tip would be autistic children, autistic individuals have incredible talents. Each one has their own interest area and their own talent. And my advice would be to discover that talent. Observe your child carefully, discover the talent, and use that talent to open the door to other areas of that child's life. If we concentrate on their abilities, their talents, what they're able to do, and help them use those talents well, then that opens the door to any area of their lives that they can't, um, they can't do well where they where they struggle. For example, my son could not pay attention in the classroom at all. And his special talent, his special interest was maps. He could memorize maps of the world. And even though he couldn't tie his shoes, he could draw the map of the world on a one-inch square slide. So it was absolutely amazing. So the teachers would give me the information of what concepts the They were teaching in the classroom, and I would reteach my son Joe that concept at home. But what I would do is I would present it in the form of maps. I would draw maps, I would have atlases with me, and I would present the classroom concept in In the the idea of maps how would we use maps with this concept and he would pay attention because normally he wouldn't pay attention he wouldn't give me eye contact but as soon as I started talking about maps he would pay attention and I was able to help him understand the concepts the teachers were trying to teach in the classroom but it was one-on-one at home. It was through using his interest area, his area of talent, and then he would learn the concept. Because originally, the doctors and the, the school principal told me that Joe would only be able to achieve a a, a certificate of attendance. He would never be able to achieve a. Uh, an elementary school diploma, or even a high school diploma. And he, through the process of finding out what he could do and teaching him through those areas where I was able to help him overcome the areas that he struggled with, he was able to not only achieve his elementary school diploma when he went to high school and was ready to graduate high school. He not only received his high school diploma, he received the president's academic fitness award.
0: Wow. That is awesome. Just by focusing on his ability, his strength and using that, that, that is a powerful story. And, and, all of this the benefit of all of your research experience and wisdom is in your book against all odds and and people can find out about that on your website
1: yes yes i have a post on my website with and all the, with the links and it's it's linked to amazon and barnes and noble and apple books a variety of places because different people like to shop at different sites and so all of that's on my on my website and i do have information of where i'm speaking because i i'm doing presentation and in services um, right now i am teaching at a uh, community College in Orange County, California, and the dean has asked me to do in-services to help the professors teach our um, college students with autism. So uh, all that information is on the website, and uh, I like to keep people informed.
0: Yeah, And I'm interested. Then your website is dragongatemedia.com. Tell how yes, it is. There's got to be a story behind that name.
1: (laughs) That it is. I fell in love with that name because I fell in love with the the. It's a very ancient folklore, and it's about a koi, a fish, a koi, uh, struggling in the waters of the ocean, and the struggles led this koi fish to uh, an arch in the in the ocean. And as the fish struggles, it goes through the the arch, and it becomes a beautiful dragon. And so the whole story, the the folklore is based on your struggles will lead you to a wonderful place to achieve your potential, to be happy, to be all that you can be. And I felt that that was a very meaningful story, considering my book Against All Odds and considering the children's books that I write.
0: That's powerful. I love it. So dragongatemedia.com they can find out more about you where to where to buy your book and do their and also contact you by email right there's a way to contact yes, they, you they'll have, they have information questions. do you have parents contacting you with questions yes okay Great.
1: Well, yes, yes, I do. And I appreciate that. Yes.
0: And I, and and you would be one person who would get it, who would know what these parents are going through. Carol, thank you so much for your time and for sharing your vast years of research and experience. And I'm excited that we're teaching teachers how to work with these (laughs) students.
1: Thank you very much. I I really believe that it's important to share our experiences. Whether they have turned out successfully or not, other people can learn from them. And that's one of the main reasons I wrote my book was to share my experiences, all, all of the successes, but the failures and what I learned from the failures, hoping that others can actually learn something positive that can help them in helping their children reach their potential.
0: Okay. And not learning from failures. Yes, that's true. All right. Powerful words. Carol, thank you so much. And you have a great day.
1: Thank you. You too. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it.